My name's Josh, for those of you who don't know, and my lovely wife Shan's hiding at the back so you can't see me, see her. Um, she likes to keep me accountable, helps me to practice what I preach. Tonight, I'm preaching on sex. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a great topic, great time to speak about it after Valentine's Day when there's no power and there's all the cozy lights. Um, yeah, from, from the beginning of this, I have to be straight up honest and say that this has been the most terrifying sermon I've ever had to prepare. Um, but also, I'm so exciting. There's just so many things that you could say, so many things you could speak about. Um, yeah. It's also every preacher's opportunity to either get into the dog box or score some serious brownie points. And so, um, well, you all know which way I'm going. Yeah, that's why she's right at the back. Um, now, I've called my sermon tonight, Live Your Life and Love Your Wife. <laughs> and every time I say this to one of the youths, because um, it's my two rules that I have for Gap. First rule is live your life. Second rule is love your wife. And they all tell me, I don't have a wife. Um, or I never even want a wife. Um, rather a husband. And I see you, I see you, and I hope tonight you'll be inspired of becoming the kind of person who can really love their wife or husband incredibly well one day. But having said this, I know that there's a social expectation, um, and especially amongst Christians, um, that one of the main goals of life is to find a life partner um, and spend the duration of your time on earth with this person. Um, and it hasn't always been like this. Celibacy was one of the most honored and celebrated gifts uh, early on in Christianity um, because it enabled them to pursue a single vision um, in the mission that they had been called to. Paul most often is used as an example in this. And Jeremiah really unpacks some of the difficulties of this. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to start off by saying to celibate people and single people, um, that, yeah, it is a worthy calling. And I want to honor and, uh, yeah, really celebrate you guys tonight as well. And so as I look into loving, living our lives and loving our wives, I wanted to look into the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a wonderful book. Uh, Paul starts off by pretty much summarizing the gospel, um, how that it started before the foundation of the earth. He had chosen a people. He had blessed that people. He decided that actually... You know, even though that they can't save themselves, he was going to come down to make it possible for them to find salvation, to find freedom from sin. He speaks about the wickedness and the destruction that wickedness brought um, and, and how the gospel brings life. And then in Ephesians 4, he goes on to, to talk about unity. And in that unity, diversity. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then he goes on to instructions for a bunch of different things. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, all the way pretty much to the end of chapter 16, is some really solid how-to advice. This is just great stuff. And in there, he goes through a whole lot of things, including you know, some very controversial verses around marriage and all sorts of things. Not really controversial, but they become controversial. Um, and so I'm going to read from Ephesians 4, verse 17. Um, so I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in, their futility, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensual, sensuality 
as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way you have learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus, that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off, your, put off falsehood and speak truthfully, truthfully to your neighbor, for you are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up in accordance with their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Then 5 verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an, is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but, you are, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything is illuminated. that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and let Christ shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to dive into your word, to dive into your scripture. Thank you that you have so many incredible keys and um, yeah, tips that you want to give us into in how to be followers of you. Uh, how to be passionate people and, and how to resist the work that the enemy is doing. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. The key to any relationship starts off with being transformed by Christ. Paul talks about how 
that happens in the gospel beforehand. But then he speaks about this, about how once we come into Christ, there's a part of us having to put off the old self and take up the new self. And so we see that we have a key role in part of this. He's saying, you know, when we come to Jesus, sure, there's some parts of us that are instantly just changed and, and life and His Spirit comes in and moves us and changes us. But there's also things that we have to do to join in with, to join in with what Christ is doing. And so he says, don't be ruled by your deceitful desires. But rather, put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One of the awesome things about God is that he doesn't tell us not to do things because he's boring or malicious or anything like that. But rather, he sees such a purer, better picture for our lives. He's got such a better plan. Um, And so we often think, you know, with religion, that following Christ is all about following rules, and especially when it comes to relationships. You know, the first conversations you're often going to hear when a couple gets into a relationship, it's like, yo, Josh, I asked her out, and you know what? That night, spoke about boundaries. <laughs> and there's a little bit something weird there. Um, but there is something truly lovely about experiencing something in its proper place, where God has designed it for. And he's going, yo, This is what it's for. This is where it's about. And so Paul tells us to replace lies with truth, anger with peace and unity, stealing with giving, gossip with encouragement, every form of malice with forgiveness, promiscuity with holiness, and drunkenness with God's spirit. Such key elements of things that we think, flip, I get trapped by this. You know, when we get really angry, we get consumed by anger. When you're someone who's used to taking, giving is really, really difficult. A gossip struggles with encouragement. And he's saying, look, there's parts of this that actually Christ has to do in us. But he's calling us to join with him. And Paul knows what happens when you go down the roads that these things lead to. And he's calling us to have a trust, to have a faith. That actually I need to put my relationship with Christ first. To walk in obedience with him. And all the other things will follow from that. And so he goes on in Ephesians um, to speak about household relationships, different dynamics within households. And uh, and interestingly, he starts off with marriage. In all of these relationships, the consistent thing is that you always put the other first. And so we see that the key to any relationship is being transformed by Christ. And it's also that love is not about ourselves, but the other. It really doesn't matter who you are or what position you hold. In those days, the household people would have slaves. And he's telling masters, like, don't be harsh to your slaves. Very dominant figures in the house were the heads of the house. And, and wives were often treated as less than. And he's going, lay down your life for your wife. Your wife. <laughs> um, he talks to wives in the same way. Lay down your life. Submit. And so we see that relationship often comes with us being second. And this is where I'm going to jump in and talk around boundaries. Another word that I like to to think about it with is consent. It's a very loaded word, rightly so, and especially in tonight's context. But every relationship, doesn't matter what it is, requires consent. When I greet someone, whether that greeting is a handshake, a hug, or a high five, you have to kind of read beforehand and, and get consent onto what that greeting is. If I want to spend time with you, 
generally, you kind of ask. Otherwise, it's a bit rude for me to just come and you know, spend all my time in your space. If I want to talk to you about something personal, people would often ask, if you don't mind me asking, and ask something more personal. When you meet someone for the first time, you don't just start pouring out everything in your life, but rather there's a trust that's built up. And as you go, there's more consent given. And it's sometimes it's not even something that we consciously go, you know, I give you consent to do this, and I give you consent to do this. But rather, there's an unspoken consent. And we realize it a lot more when we don't give that consent and they've taken that advantage. And so consent within a relationship allows us to engage in a way in which both people feel safe and it builds trust. As Shan and, and I developed in our relationship, we consented to different things as time went on. There were parts of her life that she shared with me later on in the relationship that were inappropriate for her to share with me at the beginning. I wouldn't have been able to, to handle it, and she wouldn't know if she could trust me with that. For the first three months while we were vibing or getting to know each other, <laughs> we didn't kiss. We were very strict with physical boundaries because we realized that those are like almost more intense and takes you to places where you're not ready for emotionally or spiritually or anything like that. And so we held quite high boundaries as we were building trust and weighing each other up. Um, and, and we were checking, is this someone who I could see myself with forever? What's going on here? And as we started dating, it got deeper and deeper. And slowly, when we got married, there was a trust, but also a commitment um, that came along with that. If relationships are about putting the other person first, then we, exp- we consider not just what we want now, but also what we want in their future. This is something that was very important to me as I was a dating guy, is that wherever I go, if I don't marry this person, I have to stand in front of that person's future husband and explain, give an account. Not that that physically happened, but in a sense it would, as she has to explain, look, this is what happened in previous relationships. And so we often think, oh man, all these rules, all these things, but actually it's in considering the other first and going, I want to put you higher. I want to respect you now and also your future marriage. Maybe they would be keen, you know, cool, let's go now. But in considering them first, we hold off on some things. And so there isn't a rule book about what should be in the boundaries book or what should not. Um, and we're often tempted to think, yo, if I've messed up, then that's just out of the book forever, suddenly on the table. Um, and the, the craziest thing about this is that it also moves into marriage. A lot of people tell me there's no boundaries in marriage, but they're all single people. Um, <laughs> there definitely are boundaries in marriage because there's consent. One of the things that Chan loves to do, and you guys are like getting nervous now, <laughs> is pop pimples on my back. Um, those of you who struggle with pimples and have people who squeeze them, you know the pain. And there's some nights where I do. I give consent because she loves it, and I don't know what. Um, <laughs> and there are other times where actually I'm not, I'm not feeling like having going through that pain. Um, and, and so I'm like, look, just not tonight. If you had told me a year ago, 
A year ago, I thought that marriage would mean like sex on tap. It was just all the time, every time. And I would never have guessed. I would have said, you're crazy. That sometimes you actually don't feel like having sex. Sometimes you just eat too much. You're way too tired or some other crazy reason. And so you work it out. Of course, Paul warns us, you know, don't withhold sex from each other. But at the same time, you have to talk it through. You have to feel the moment. And sometimes it's not going to happen. There's consent. There's boundaries. And I think that's something that for a lot of us, we kind of think marriage is going to be this time. It's going to be great. And it is great. But one of the things that we find really important is that sex is a wonderful, wonderful tool in building our marriage. We listened to a talk at the beginning of our marriage, um, a TED talk, you know, because those are always great. And I was talking about, you know, what helps couples have a really healthy sex life that goes the distance. And it wasn't, you know, fancy hot dates or adventurous new positions, spicing up things in crazy ways that the world says we must. But it's a gift that we give each other because it's good for our marriage. Even in sex, it's about putting the other person first. And so with all relationship, we find that it's not about ourselves, but about the other. We acknowledge, finally, Paul acknowledges in in chapter 6, that those who are following Christ are fighting a spiritual war. He tells us to be prepared for the attacks of an active enemy, to be prepared for it by knowing the truth, seeking righteousness, being ready with the gospel of peace, with faith, knowing our salvation, being equipped with God's word and with his spirit. Now in each stage of life, there's a reality that we're going to face attack. In singleness, you will face attack. Firstly in your mind, then in the relationships of people around you. The enemy is going to come with lies. No one finds you good enough. This isn't really hurting anyone else. It isn't that bad if I watch this or do this. And sadly, they will trap you. And Prince Charming has many flaws. Stringing people along so that when the real one comes, or having a backup plan is not putting that person first. When you're in a relationship... We often fall for lies like, it will just be this one time. You know, nothing is going to happen if we stay up way too late just talking. This is about whether or not it works for me. I'm just checking about, you know, if this can work for me, otherwise we're out. And these lies that I'm telling her are for her own protection. When we're married, the lies that we hear are, it's okay for me to spend extensive amounts of time with another guy or girl. Well, I deserve to have this. Maybe if I play my cards right, if I don't deal with this issue, it will go away. But the biggest lie with regards to sex is I've messed up, I'm no longer worthy, and I might as well just do it again. And this happens with pornography. It happens with any kind of boundary that you feel like you've crossed. Oh, well, who cares? But the truth is, is that's why these scriptures are built on the knowledge of the gospel. That we have a God who redeems us. You know, he says we're sent out like sheep amongst wolves. 
Sheep don't do too well against wolves. But he knows he can put us back together again. That no matter what we face, he can protect us. And so even if we feel trapped in sin, Christ can pull us out. Even when we are terrible people, we can be transformed into righteous and holy people. So the key to any relationship is being transformed by Christ. Love is about the other, not ourselves. And we're fighting a fight. Amen.